Hello, and welcome to the Communication Solution. We are the MI Guys here at IFIOC, and we are here to provide exceptional training and guidance in evidence-based communication skills, motivational interviewing, that create change and improve outcomes for individuals, organizations, and the communities that we serve. Today on the line, we have Casey Jackson, Executive Director of IFIOC, John Gilbert, one of our amazing trainers, and my name is Tammy Calais. And today we have a special guest, Jordan. Welcome to the conversation. And today we have a special guest here, Jordan, that is a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Um, uh, and there's so many details to get in with you, Jordan. You have such a curious mind, I could tell already. And uh, Casey, he was in a training with you. And so you have some questions for us today to get into. Woo. Um, am I missing anything, though, before we start diving into this? Tammy, Casey, uh, anything else to add before we start getting into the questions that uh, Jordan might have? I'm just going to say I'm excited. And I'm, we talked about inviting Jordan because Tammy said, hey, I got some questions. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is somebody I want to have on because he has lots of questions. And, and from a I just love a curious mind for people who are just getting exposed to MI that it's like, wait a second then this unlocks this thought and it unlocks this thought and then unlocks this thought and then unlocks, but wait a second, this is the way the structure's always been. How does MI look at this? So Jordan was just somebody that was just <laughs> insatiable for wanting to go that. So I've, I've been looking forward to this. So I'm glad we finally made it happen. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's great to get uh, education from an expert, like, you know, in, in anything, but yeah, I did your intro. And then after the class, I had sent an email to, I thought it went to you, but it goes to IFIOC and asked about, you had said in our training, I think you said something to the effect of, we live in a compliance-based system and, 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 and how you talk about the difference between, you know, compliance-oriented versus MI-oriented. And you had mentioned, you know, whether it's occupation like law enforcement or whether it's even like with psychotherapy that sometimes, well, not sometimes, like very often, like the normal tradition is to you know, look for compliance. And I would think like after your class, I was thinking, my God, like if you, if you are aware of this and you see this in our country, then what's that like? Because I would imagine it get overwhelming or, or even depressing, but I do know you do stuff with law enforcement. So I know you're engaged like, in, yeah, but that was, that was the question. You, you know, Jordan, I, <sighs> Well, A, I have the kind of, I love being a social worker. I have a social worker perspective on things. And and for me, it's more about the challenge of healing systems. I mean, that it's kind of the, the thought of a, a social worker perspective is a systems perspective. And for me, I just think that's, it's an amazing opportunity. So ironically, it's never depressing. I, now that when you say it that way, then I'm like, God, is it depressing? It's, maybe it should be depressing. But I think that's why I love doing what I do. You know, I've been training for, you know, almost 20 years and I love, I have just as much energy with every group that I train as I did. Actually, I probably have more energy now because I understand the complexity of these systems that we're trying to work with, as well as the individuals within those systems. It's kind of like John's intro to our podcast and we're, we're trying to help individuals, but organizations and communities and, and larger systems as well, too. What... I think the thing that's so powerful, knowing the curiosity of your mind, like you really, when you ask these questions, you genuinely are curious. 
just more recently, like within the last year, I was prepping for what I, because I've done training with re-entry. So when people have been incarcerated, they're going to come back in the communities. They have all these systems to try to help with re-entry, right? So they've they asked me to do MI training with the case managers and some people in law enforcement, blah, blah, those kind of things that are very important. And so I got a call from Kurt Robinson who said, hey, I want you to do some training for re-entry. So I'm thinking, yeah, I'll do training for re-entry. So I show up to do with my presentation, and these were about 38 formerly incarcerated individuals who'd been recently released within the last, you know, three to 12 months. Well, that is not what my PowerPoint presentation was targeted to. But what we got to get into, and this is what I loved with these individuals that were formerly incarcerated and thinking about how are they going to reenter, you know, is I thought the constructs are exactly the same. Is your behavior in line with your values? And we'd get it. We actually, the first one that I did, we got in this deep philosophical perspectives with these formerly incarcerated individuals who'd been formerly incarcerated that um, they were part of a system. And the more that they're going to be oppositional and defiant, the more they're going to get angry and pissed off at their probation officer, the more they're going to say, you can't make me do that, that they're literally just fodder for the system. It's going to continue to chew them up. And if they really want to get out of that system, then they need to make a decision. Do they want to live within a behavior change approach to their life or a compliance-based approach to their life? And, and, and do you want to make it like you and I talked about in the training, do you want to make it a resistance discord issue, which you're going to find throughout your entire life? This is what we're talking about. Or do you want to look at the top of the mountain and go, I don't care who the judge is. I don't care who the prosecutor is. I'm going to get my behavior in line with where I want to be at the top of the mountain. And I said, no judge or prosecutor or probation officer or parole officer can stop you from doing that. that that's a hundred percent on you. And you have every reason because of your history, because of decisions you've made, because of things that have happened to you, you have every reason to blame outside of yourself and make excuses and be stuck within a system that's going to consume you. Wow. That's powerful. Did, yeah. Did, did you go in there? Did Were you expecting to train staff? That, who helped yes, us. that's yeah. what I say. That is, I, went in there. I couldn't even use my PowerPoint because it had wow. nothing to do with the people Easy. sitting there. I literally okay. walked in the room and went, oh, oh my God, this is not who I'm supposed to train. And I didn't know that until yeah. they introduced themselves. And I'm yeah. like, I am not prepared for this. Yeah. And I've got seven hours live with them. Not on a, not on a screen. <laughs> this was in person. So I couldn't even say, hey, let's take a break and push pause and like figure out what that guy's going to do. This was literally live in person, face to face. So you you had uh, made it about in some ways, like how they talk to other people. But also, it sounds like you were you were you were sort of teaching them and to sort of look at themselves about what their values are. And and, and what was really complex about it, I mean, it was it it was a, an amazing day. I, I, I ended up writing about it afterwards because I couldn't. I couldn't digest everything that had happened. I literally was sitting in my car. It was one of those days in, in Spokane that were like 110 degrees and it was just sweltering in my car. And I opened the door just to let it out. And I was sitting there staring at my steering wheel going, what just happened? Because it was transformative for me and it was transformative for the individuals in there because they were in there mostly to like, well, how do I work through this system? How do I get my bills paid? I don't have housing. I need a job. And so I couldn't even figure out originally what Kurt wanted me to do after the thing had happened, but I also know him well enough to go, go for it. So we just went for it. And I just kind of closed my laptop and, and sat on the desk and, and kind of 
went into high empathy to understand where their brains were at. And I just thought they're overwhelmed, but they're going to get consumed by this system because their, their brain cannot get out of the trees because everything is forcing them in the trees. And they, they have to be in the trees to figure out food, clothing, shelter, you know, situations as well too, in a more structured way. So how do you talk to somebody about the top of the mountain when they're in the middle of this? Cause this is what I hear so many people tell me, well, the population I work with, they're so immersed or they're so damaged. They don't even know the top of the mountain. And my, my <laughs> and my response is from a trainer and a clinician perspective always is, well, they do if we talk about it. Yeah. If, if I talk about independence and freedom and integrity and connection and a sense of belonging, they don't go, I don't understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. If I put it, if I make sure that it's relative to their reality and what they're trying to navigate. Yeah. That would be very interesting to have seen you done that because um, moving toward the values part, I think, at least for myself, I think can come across, come across awkwardly, like, you know, since I'm new. So that would have been interesting. Yeah. To go there, especially with, you know, form, formerly incarcerated people. So that's why, that's why for me, it back to the, your original question that you, you know, sent was that to me, that's, that's inspiring and not depressing. And, and it could be, I could have walked away extremely depressed from that. And when I get to like right now, well, even just this week, when I was in California doing a presentation, I had one of the, one of the officers, actually the officer who's the bridge video, that officer, he texted me and said, Hey, your office, I'm going to swing by and give you another video. And I hadn't submitted a video for a year, but the fact that another person in law enforcement is working on this to the point that they're thinking, Hey, I want to continue to get feedback. Like that keeps me from being depressed. You know, it's just like, okay, these little, these little sparks that are happening. I just get the the luxury of having people want to stay in contact and evolve their thinking and evolve their way of being through a very specific method of communication. Because mm-hmm. it, it seems like ideally, like back to the prison or former, former prisoners that, you know, when you said that they hadn't, you know, thought about the values part because they've been stuck in the trees. Mm-hmm. I, I think it also, at least to me, seems like a lot of people would be there because yes. that's our, that we don't are raised this way, you know, in this yes. culture. Yes. yes. And so that would be a big, I mean, that's a big change for me. And that's why I have so many questions about it. Cause in some ways it seems like, okay, well, this could apply to like every, you know, not every conversation, but it would seem to apply to maybe most of them. Okay. And, and it's so different that it would seem that if, you know, the more people who had a different intention in a, in a conversation, you know, like the intention of empathy first, for example, that would make a big difference, you know, like in the nation. Definitely. You know, and, and what's fascinating, I mean, it's such a it's such a, a concept that I think people gravitate towards if they really get what we're talking about the way you have. Our very first podcast, Jordan, was the title of it was Can MI Change the World? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was so, our very first podcast based and literally based on what you just I mean, you so you can see once your brain starts to get oriented, it's like, wait a second, could people operate this way? Yes. Could a society or a community operate this way? Yes. Yeah. So true. Yeah. You have kids, right, Casey? Yes. 
Okay. Do you, I mean, I don't know where you were at with MI when you had them, but like, I would, I mean, I would imagine you'd be using this with your children. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting because I, you know, I've shared with some people about it because it'll come up from time to time, you know, with how does, how does this fit? And I was single and I, and I adopted my son who was 13, you know, through a series of events, a single and, and, and chose to adopt him who, and he was struggling with addiction and struggling with mental health issue with depression um, from the loss of his mother and just very complex. And for the first two years, and I'd been training peripheral, it wasn't my job. You know, I, I'd been exposed to him. I did a little bit of training, but I was honestly didn't even really know it that much. I just knew all the acronyms. Mm-hmm. It was about two years in when he was about 15 that I realized, oh my God, this is resistance. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm living resistance every single day. Like it is head to head clash. And I believed I was being the best father because it's the way I was raised. And I was raised by really good parents who were awesome, but there's lines in the sand that you don't cross. There's consequences. If you cross those lines, it's exactly what you asked about. Those that's compliance based. There's love behind it. There's, there's compassion and attachment behind it, but it's fundamentally, it was compliance based. And then you have freedom as long as you stay within your, your playground, you know, with, with what you're given. And what I realized with Jesse was that at about 15, I thought this is so clearly resistance. What I had to have, I, I remember laying in bed, staring at the ceiling and it wasn't even nighttime. I just remember laying in the bed, staring at the ceiling. Like, oh, what am I going to do? And I thought, do you genuinely believe that he has pro-social values? And it was instantaneously. It's like, Oh, I know he does. He's an amazing human being. And it's like, well, do you trust that his behavior could line up with those values? Whether or not they are right now is irrelevant, but do you believe they could? And it's like, well, yeah. And then it was walking through, well, then stop being a source of resistance and and start to highlight what his values are. And what was fascinating in the progression in my relationship with him as a parent is that I my goal, I've told people this, my goal <laughs> was if by the time he was like 30 or 40, he'd had a few too many drinks, put his arm around my shoulder and said, you know, you didn't do that bad of a job. Like I thought if I get away with that, I'll... I will feel like I was successful. Like, you know, out of nowhere when he's had a few too many and just says, Hey, you know what? You didn't do that bad of a job. I thought, okay, this will all be worth it. By the time he was 17, 18, his senior year of high school, I'm getting text messages about, you know, I'm sorry I took it for granted. I love you so much. You know, you're such Mm -hmm. an awesome dad. And I couldn't even emotionally digest that because it was so far beyond my comprehension. But I really learned, like I teach, to try to detach from the outcome. And when I teach this in parenting, I know it feels like splitting DNA. I know it does not feel normal in my brain to go, I can't control this outcome. I can control the, I can control this situation, but it's going to have a negative impact on the long-term behavior. And, and I remember even specifically like with, I still remember this with chores his job was to take out the garbage. And for whatever reason, garbage means when it's on the floor, like piled 16 feet too high, maybe it should be taken out. Like, no, it should be taken out way before that. But that was his chore. And I, and we used to always fight over it. And then I finally surrendered. And I said, and I just talked to him. I went into his room. I still remember walking to his bedroom and I just said, hey, Jay, I'm not going to fight with you about the garbage anymore because it's not, I can take it out. It doesn't bother me. But you know consistency. And when prom comes and you don't have allowance, I'm not going to give you money because you have a chance to earn lots of money before then. I just want you to know, I want you to have informed choice and I'm never going to talk to you about the garbage can again. 
it, it just doesn't, it's not that big of a deal to me because I don't mind taking out the garbage. And, and when I shut the door and went upstairs, I heard the door open and slam and I heard the garbage can slam on the <laughs> ground and then go back in his room. And it just became a non-issue after that because I just thought I'm not, it's not worth fighting over. And if he doesn't do it, I don't need, I, the garbage can is not that big of a deal, but he's got to decide is his behavior lining up with what he wants. And that was just kind of the foray into that as well. And to this day, when he asked for my opinion, you know, I have a thousand ideas of what I want to tell him, but the majority of the time, especially when he's in his early twenties, when he'd say, Hey, what do you think I should do? I would always say, Jesse, you know who you are and you know what you want. You know what you want to do and you know, what's going to get you the outcomes you want. And I, I have opinions on that, but mostly my opinions don't matter. Mm-hmm. It's, do you want to do what you know you need to do to get to where you want to go? And even though that, that, that dad part of me wants to just say, you know what you need to do. You know, this is what you need to do. Come on. Yeah. But I just tried to restrain that. And that right there, I think is the, is the big difference that is so my, my brain is wired to absolutely, especially if someone's asking for it and, and, and you highlighted something talking about being in the bed with the pro social. Cause I was thinking that because because I, I I was worried about risk, you know. I kept asking questions like, "Oh, what if they, you know, like have have this back?" But it, it it seems to be that a it relies upon the what I would say is an optimistic idea that people want health for themselves or pro social use board pro social behavior because because otherwise, like it, it does at least I mean the way that I have like live my life, it does seem like a big risk to just say, all right, you know, whatever you want. But, but I think that it seems like a premise to start with is that, okay, like people want good, healthy things and people want to be kind to other people. And so let's just align them with that as opposed to like this mass of people wants to just battle with each other as their highest value. And this people, you know, that sort of, yeah. Well, and, and this is why you move further. And when I, when I, constructed the focus mountain concept i had all these same thoughts in my brain jordan that you're walking through right now because i had worked in a prison system before i worked in state prison and federal prison for a few years and so i saw really not good things and i saw really things that you would just say there's no redeemable value here based on their behavior and what's happened but as i was working with the focus mountain construct and really understanding deeper values what I realized as a therapist talking to people is it was, it was a jagged pill for me to swallow that given a few twists and turns in my own life, I'm not that far removed. I, there's really not very many things that would have kept me from being in some of these same situations with, with decisions. And if I didn't manage my own anger, if I would add parents that would have done things to me, or like, there's just not that many twists in the game that could have put me in a different position. And I think for maybe many people can feel that way at times. And, and what I kept going back to is that, when I'd listen deeply to people I was working with, whether it was people that had been sexually abused or people that had perpetrated or people within prison systems or, you know, people within family systems, when I listened, it's like, gosh, there's so many people with the same thing. And then when I started getting exposed to motivational interviewing, it really did resonate with the whole Maslow's hierarchy is just as human beings, we do as more things kind of line up and, and get in a row, we do have this craving for self-actualization we do have a craving for spirituality, you know, and people find it through religion or other things. And like, we just, that there's something beyond us. And 
it's rare that you run into someone that doesn't have some semblance of that inside of their body or inside of their presence. And when you look at the data and the research of the brain, there's even parts of the brain that are more primed for more spiritual enlightenment um, to have happen inside the brain. So, so it's like, well, why don't we focus on that? But then when I looked at with the system, and this is partly where your questions came from the medical field is we're just such a medical research in the mainstream American culture. We're just so analytical that, that we tend to study the problem more than we study the solution or look for the problem. And then we try to come up with a solution for it. And that's where it's, then it becomes expertise because we have a, I'm going to get way political here, but we just have this kind of patriarchal, you know, authoritarian perspective that I am the one in charge. And so if you do what I tell you to do, then things are going to work out in your best interest. But then so many for centuries, people would do that and say, I'm still getting screwed. What what do you mean? Just because I'm farming your field for you and I'm feeding my kids, you're living in the lap of luxury. So something's not going on here. It's like, okay, now I'm going to beat you, you know? So now shut up and I'm going to whip you until you stop saying that, or I'll kill you in front of everybody. So you stop saying, so it's just such a control thing for power and control, but our brains, once we get stabilized, we tend to want to, we tend to want to progress. So for me, that's such, it's, I think it leans obviously from an optimistic perspective, but it just seems like if that's what I'm going to look at, that's what I continue to see more and more of from a Maslow's hierarchy perspective. When I think of self-determination theory, when I think of self-affirmation theory, like, and then when you start to see data around that, it's like, as human beings, we really do want to evolve. But if you're going to drop big boulders in my life or a road, a chasm between me and who I want to be, my I'm going to try to find a way to be there. It may be through drug dealing drugs and hurting other people, but I'm going to find a way to financial security. I'm going to find a way to get respect. And it's like, whoa, those really look antisocial, but they're still trying to get to the same top of the mountain I'm trying to get with financial security and respect. That's very so, true. That is very true. And this is a little bit off topic, but how do you like, remember how you talked about, I don't remember if it was the the three questions, if that's what it's called, the why. Rule of three. Mm -hmm. three. It seems that you could, in some ways, I haven't played this game yet, but like you could, you could just keep going and going. And Mm -hmm. so, so what makes those at the top of the mountain is opposed to like, like I said, I haven't like tried this before, but yeah. It, it, it took me a while to distill down the top of the mountain. I think because when I first was trying to get it clear in my own brain, even not even as much as an instructor, just as a practitioner or as a, a person trying to live this way. When I started looking at things like values, activities and values, card sorts and all, all these things, like in MI, it was the values card sort. Right. But there's just so many different ways to find values. So many people have researched this There's so many activities you can do. And I started getting lost because it's like almost anything, depending on who was saying it, they'd throw in the values like what well, family, you know, relationship, money, like what do you value? And and my job, it's just, it would get so convoluted. I thought there's got to be a different way. And then when I was, I was thinking about what I've taught rule of three, I learned it in psychology. I wanted to start distilling it down. And then what was really important to me because MI is so cross-cultural is I thought I also wanted to be cross-cultural too. Because you may say money in this in this culture, in mainstream American culture, but that may not be the way that it is in a Brazilian tribal culture. You know, so it's just like, but that sense of security that finances bring could be cross-cultural. So I had a couple of different filters, and the rule of three was the easiest for me. 
because then I said, okay, family's at the top of the mountain. Can I deconstruct that with real? Oh yeah, I can deconstruct that. Money at the top of the mountain, housing at the top of the mountain. It's like, okay, wow, I can distill those down. And now I'm coming into kind of overarching constructs that like around integrity, around connection, around freedom, which is a little bit different than independence. There's some overlap with autonomy. So there's you see some overlaps. There's kind of a Venn diagram, but and, I wanted them to Casey, be above you, that concept. That's in the past, the it's harder the and harder okay, to here's identify the something and then here's beyond more of the what's in the house. one of those values like independence or fulfillment. Well, why independence? Why fulfillment? As you've talked about before, it's harder to why it and find something new. And I think that's a very practical, simple way to, to think about it that you've described before, as well as if you want to look into values theory as well, either Jordan or anyone that's listening, that there's another thing you've talked about is not that there's like that. an infinite amount of human values, that there is a certain finite amount of cross-cultural human values to tap into. And when you have some of that wording paired with some of that curiosity, like you naturally have, Jordan, it sets up the rule of three or otherwise to really discover and co-discover what those are for the person. And then you help them uh, align their behaviors accordingly, which is way easier said than done. But with that, Jordan, you've had some time with Casey to dig deep and uh, geek out. I've had some thoughts along the way and some other questions, but I uh, wanted to just get to be a part of seeing your brain in action and Casey as well. And so it's been fun, but we're coming to the end of our time now. So I just wanted to start wrapping up for this time, but maybe we can have you back if you're interested, Jordan, as it sounds like this could keep going for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Oh, easily. And I, I've got to wrap up with just, I want to, I want to kind of draw back into MI from what Jordan, what we're just talking about the values piece. And it, John is the one who repeated this so many times that I started it to absorb it as well too, is that when you're extracting, when you're listening for and trying to identify the top of the mountain, what that core value is, it literally is the motive the motive for change, the motive for behavior, the the house or the car may be a motive for now, but as we, you know, as you get money, then it's just like, that's not my motive anymore. So it's, we take all these things we can throw at the top of the mountain and then all of a sudden they're not as important anymore. The one I used to, where it really helped me is when I'd think, when I'd work with a parent who says, I'll call, I'll crawl over, you know, broken glass for my children, but they won't show up for their visitation. Like, I don't understand, like that didn't make sense to me. So where's the deeper motive here? So even children weren't necessarily the top of the mountain, but what is the motive underneath that? So that's why through that rule of three or through the top of the mountain concept or that, that self-determination and, and Maslow's hierarchy, what we're looking for in motivational learning is we want that individual to go, what is your motive to, to, to go to the next level? Yeah. Um, and it, and, and it can't and be the to, thing to or the what or the how. It does have to be the why. A critical thing to focus on as your vocal change. point, you know, or um, focal point from there on out. It's something so. we talk about in other podcasts, such as the Focus Mountain podcast, as well as plenty of others. And then another concept, like, okay, so you touch it, taste it, feel it. So what would that be like for you if you had that sense of contribution where your children were successful, you know, where you're really bringing up the emotions related to that as emotional beings that we are. And it's just a really powerful concept that we talk about in other podcasts. So I would point you to that if you want to hear more about that. And hopefully, Jordan, you can come back and we'll dive into all sorts of other things, societal 
or individual or specific to <laughs> specifics that you face with that with people you serve. So for now, I'll just point you all that if you're interested in this, found this valuable, you can go to find more resources yeah. at ifioc.com. And we have yes. a online membership yes. there. We have a free newsletter. We have all that good stuff. We got a blog. And then we have, uh, for those of you that want more skill building involved and things like that, we have a whole other type of membership as well. And we also have a community on Facebook. If that, if this is your jam and you got curious questions like Jordan, then you might like that as well for engaging over there. And again, as always, our goal is to help provide the communication solution that will change your world. And hopefully we have done that to some small degree. And we've did that for you to some small degree today, Jordan. But with that in mind, we'll uh, sign off for now and wishing you all the